Welcome to our podcast. Our podcast is called Two Doctors on a Drive, where your co-hosts, Dr. Terry Sellers and Dr. Kristen Brown, drive to work together and record our conversations. We both work in the field of addiction medicine and treat drug addicts and alcoholics in our communities. And we drive to work together a couple of times a week. Our podcast is unscripted and recorded live and also essentially unedited. We hope you enjoy it. We hope. We do hope. We hope you enjoy it. We enjoy it. We hope I you do. really enjoy it. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the podcast, Two Doctors on a Drive. Where your co-host, Dr. Terry Sellers and... Dr. Kristen Brown. Drive to work and ramble on about stuff. And finish each other's sentences. Sandwiches. Sandwiches, sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I eat that whole thing. Yeah, you can be a little stingy on sandwiches sometimes. Thanks for inserting <coughs> my arrested development joke. I preach. You're welcome. Like that? Yeah. That's where I got it from. I know. Not from Arrested Development, from I, you. I know. Yeah. But it does happen to be an Arrested Development. Yeah. You, as you know, I don't, I've never watched Arrested Development. Oh, I know. I know. How do you know? How do I know? Because I've told you? Yeah. Probably. Okay. The, hey, I've got, I've got some updates. Yeah. Let's do a couple things. Wait. Do you have any personal updates? Should I? So I might as well continue to be my personal journey of like, here's all my health problems. If you if you want to, you can reveal your health problems. If you don't, we can move on to my health problems. All right, let's let's wait till next time because we said it was every other time. Oh yeah, we'll okay. talk about we'll talk all about right. what's going on with Kristen's body. So she we have just... we have a couple of follow up items I think that we're gonna follow up on and I think this is we're probably going to do this a lot in our podcast is the first very short part of our podcast is going to be follow up from previous podcasts and then we'll get to the main body of our podcast Kristen is having a little of the PTSD because Hanging it's snowing and the roads are wet and slippery and, and people are driving like idiots people are driving like absolute idiots Unbelievable! In, on a snowy day, on a freeway going seventy miles an hour, you don't follow a guy t twenty feet behind him. Oh, I'd say it was six. Twenty feet. That guy was riding right next to him. Okay, I'll give you that. He was way too close. Way too close. That's my point. You Very can't. Reckless. You can't stop in twenty feet going seventy miles an hour on a dry road. Yeah. And the roads aren't dry, so. All right. Okay, deep breaths, deep breaths, work through it. We're okay. Well, I almost got in a car accident last night, so I'm a little more sensitive. Boyfriend yeah. pulled out, left, and uh, there was a parked car on the street. Boyfriend pulls out and didn't see the truck barreling down the... Is the truck coming from this way? No, no, he's coming from... This way? Like he's about to hit into our driver's side. Okay, he hit, so, hit so your boyfriend was going to die, not yeah. you. Yeah, but that's not helpful. It doesn't make it better. Well, no, I get it. I'm not saying... The truck comes screeching to a halt. I'm, I'm not saying as a truck's about to hit you, you're analyzing in your brain, well, at least it probably won't be me that dies. 
No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really do that. My what actually went through my brain was, oh my gosh, I just paid three hundred and thirty dollars to have my brakes fixed. New brake pads in this thing. And Kevin's, I haven't quite gotten the coolant system. That's going to be another seven hundred dollars. Jeez. Welcome that's literally you. what I thought. Welcome to used cars. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It's a problem. But it's paid for. There you have but it. it's paid for. And I keep paying for it. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about a couple of quick updates. We have two things we wanted to talk about. The first is, well, do we want to talk about pot first or do we want to talk about No, let's go, first? let's go to the, um, the Medscape came out with uh, this morning an so, article from the CDC. So Medscape, for our listeners who are not in medicine, is a Medscape is a place where they gather all kinds of publications. Medscape itself doesn't really publish new material. They gather interesting new articles for physicians to read through so that you don't have to go through every journal yourself. It'll pull up the most important ones. Medscape came out yesterday with an article that is from another source, and the article said what, Kristen M. Brown? So this is this is titled Top Ten Drugs Tied to Overdose Deaths. Okay. Okay. Our it's last up. our last podcast was about uh, Matt, uh, the medication Matt assisted <laughs> Matt B. Matty B. We actually did talk about him in our last podcast. I know a Matt B. I do too. I think I know two of them. Kristen's ducking. We're in pretty heavy traffic. Uh, I got my eyes closed. Change lanes. I'm not looking. In this heavy traffic, the good news is it would be hard to die going 30 miles an hour. Ugh. All right, still hate it. Um, no, no, I get it. Matt, sorry. Matt is uh, medication-assisted treatment. Um, it includes three top medications that are encouraged strongly by the government to help with the opioid crisis. They include methadone, okay. suboxone, or buprenorphine, yes, yes. and Vivitrol, naltrexone. Yes. Okay? Okay. But it, so, does, it seems to me like our federal, and this is a, this is a, by the way, we might start doing another little segment on our podcast called The Weekly Pet Peeve. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, we had talked about that. I will tell you, one oh, of my, I'm not moving. I'm not getting over. It's a car. There's a car everywhere. Cars Cars everywhere. Cars, cars everywhere. I need to get over, but that truck is not about to let me. No. No, because it's snowing, and why would he, you know. Slow down. Help you out. Right. Okay, so uh, here's my pet peeve about this. My pet peeve is the other two medications, methadone and buprenorphine, are both opiates, right? Yep. They are both, they both bind to the opiate receptor and turn them on, and therefore you can get high off of both of those medications, despite what people want to say. You can get high on methadone and you can get high on buprenorphine. The third medication, Vivitrol, is a complete blocker and you can't possibly get high on it. But it feels to me like our government is pushing me to put opiate addicts on suboxone and methadone and no emphasis at all on Vivitrol. Or very little. Yeah. Right? 
Because, yeah. you know, that's I mean, a it's pet a, peeve. Like, Vivitrol to me is the medication that could really change the opiate crisis. Yeah. The yeah. others are substitutions, and man, people will be up in arms when they hear me call it a substitution, but I'm sorry. It's another opiate. It's a long acting opiate to replace a short acting opiate. Which sure seems to me to be a band-aid, a quick fix, uh, without actually fixing the uh, problem the, of addiction. The, the concept, I think, is that less people will die yeah. on methadone and buprenorphine yeah, than will die on point. heroin. Right? That's the whole point. That's their whole point in, hey, let's get everyone on methadone because there's less overdose deaths. But in avoiding death... It doesn't mean those people are living. They're alive by all stretches of, by all definitions of the word alive, but... They're completely hooked on another substance. Yeah. And it alters their brain, and it it changes the way they look at life and the way they approach life, and uh, I don't know a ton of methadone patients that are CEOs of companies. I don't know a ton of methadone patients that accomplish tons of things in their lives. Right? I think that people on Vivitrol tend to do slightly better than people on methadone and buprenorphine. Well, that's, one, that's been my experience, that, too. That's well, my pet peeve of the day. Yeah. That the, the fact that we're immediately, the government wants me to take essentially all opiate addicts and put them on a substitution. And listen, the nature of this disease is it's a disease that lasts forever, right? Yeah. I, I you buy into the disease concept. Which that's... which everybody in the treatment industry does and everybody in the government does, right? Yeah. So I, I it doesn't make any sense to put people on those uh, other medications for brief periods of time. They're still an opiate addict in a year, yeah. right? I haven't touched an opiate in 15 years, but I still occasionally have cravings. I'm still an opiate addict. I know that. Well, and, and especially not uh, first-line treatment. I think that's right. my main issue with that is not that, and we've talked about this on our last podcast, it's not that we're against methadone and buprenorphine for anyone ever. It's this idea of first-line treatment, get every opiate addict on a subst an opiate substitute, right. which I, I don't agree with that. Give right. them a chance for a real-life free from drugs and free from substances and free from being a slave um, to another opiate. So here's the part. In, okay, in I went part. on a rant. I'm sorry. We were actually going to talk Pet about peeve. something. Pet peeve. Yeah, That's it was a little bit, it was a bit of a rant. Pet peeves That's are cool. usually going to be rants, right? I get, I'm going to do my pet peeve next podcast. Okay. It's going to have nothing to do with addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got a ton of No, them. the pet peeves are pet peeves. They don't have to do anything with addiction. So on Medscape, Top 10 drugs tied to overdose deaths. Okay. Okay. Uh, deaths. Does it rank them? You know what? It doesn't. Okay. Have so they never watched the David Letterman show <laughs> where you're supposed to do the top 10 list and reveal them in order? Maybe there's a link that I'll have to look into that more, but yeah, that's a little irritating. Maybe a tons of our listeners don't know what the David Letterman show is. She's on old. Nah, but he was famous for doing top 10 lists. Every night he'd do a top 10 list. Anyway, go ahead. So the, the article starts out... Can I stop interrupting out, you or not? I'm no, not going to. I know, you're not. So if you had your caffeine, oh, Dr. Pepper's in your hand, that's what's going on. I had some, I had two exceptions this morning. Too. Deaths 
from drug overdose in the United States increased by 54% from 2011 to 2016. Hence the opioid crisis. Okay. Okay. Right. Here we are. So, uh, uh, two th- say that again. 54% from 2011 to when? 2016. Okay. So, in 2016, we had about 52,000, as I recall, 52,000. 63. 63. 63, 632 such deaths. Okay. And then last year we had 72,000. So increasing even more. Oh, yeah, this is going up. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, With opioids, benzodiazepines, and stimulants, the most commonly used drug classes involved. Okay. So the news report talks about these top 10 uh, drugs that are related to the, um, the overdose deaths. And it brings up oxycodone. Okay. It shouldn't be a huge surprise Oxycodone. it's so overly prescribed. Right. Oxycodone's an opiate, painkiller. It was the most cited drug in overdose deaths recorded in 2011, but then heroin took the top spot from 2012 to 2015. Okay. okay. Story around fentanyl, which is another one of our podcasts where we talked about um, Desuvia, a medication that's five to ten times more powerful than fentanyl, which, by the way, the FDA just approved. So fentanyl, the rate of overdose deaths involving it or one of its analogs doubled each year from 2013 to 2016. Okay, this this statistic is interesting. In 2016, 29% of all overdose deaths involved fentanyl. That's gigantic. Unbelievable. So, I don't know this, but fentanyl must be cheap to manufacture. I'm guessing so, Because right? what's happening is we're getting tons of illicit fentanyl brought into our country, mostly out of China, and they're now cutting that with heroin, and it's apparently cheaper than heroin, and it's more potent than heroin. So, you cut a little bit of fentanyl in there, and makes your heroin really potent, and you can do that for cheaper than just putting more heroin in there. So, but it's way more potent. So, these people cutting heroin are not doing exact measurements and, and you know, they're not exactly quite scientists. Mm-hmm. They're just putting a little fentanyl they in to make it more potent. Have of you seen Breaking Bad? Of course they would. Okay, so, so. I don't know if you know this, but Breaking Bad is fiction. Dang it. Yeah. There was no trailer. Dang. Don't. I'm not saying Don't nobody ever cooked Don't in take a trailer. Away my dreams. I'm not saying nobody ever cooked in a trailer, but I doubt it was a chemistry professor. All right, the CDC's list of the ten most frequently mentioned drugs. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Also included the opioids methadone. methadone. Say what? Methadone. Wait, say what? Methadone. Methadone. Should yeah. we say it one more time? Methadone. Methadone. It, Wait, weren't we just talking about methadone? I, I feel like that's our methadone. That, wait, isn't that the drug that the government is pushing to prevent opioid overdose deaths? And yet here we are. In the top ten drugs included in, implicated in opioid overdose deaths. Methadone. Yeah, or just in overdose death, overdose deaths in, right, in general. Right, right, right. Sorry, not opioid overdose deaths. Yeah. Right. Um, unbelievable. Okay, so we're supposed to push our opioid patients towards a medication that is in the top 10 medications for, or drugs for, overdose. Because the reason we're supposed to push them there is to avoid overdose. (laughs) See the logic? 
I don't. Okay. Maybe it's I'm circular. Blind. You Maybe. need to keep keep going. Okay. Keep going. You might eventually get there. Get there. Okay. I buy that. Maybe uh, I will the other there. drugs were morphine, hydrocodone, benzodiazepines, alprazolam, otherwise known as Xanax, uh, which don't we'll we'll do that on another podcast. But I'm just so tired of the over prescribing of that medication, despite all of the information we know about how terrible that medication can be. Um, diazepam, which is Valium, uh, and the stimulant methamphetamines. Okay, no, no huge surprise there. Right. I just thought it was really interesting the methadone part. Now it does sure. mention it does mention of all the ten drugs, only methadone was associated with a decreasing overdose death rate from 2011 to 2016. So, so while the CDC does point out, hey, there's less of it, we're talking. It's still in the top ten. We're still in the top 10, but we're also talking the difference between it was in 2011, there were uh, 4,545 uh, overdose deaths from methadone, and in 2016, there was 3,493. Okay, so there is a trend That's downward. A That's a drop. But there's still a bunch of overdose deaths. Yeah, but I think the one thing that the government would want to point out is that's now become so in 2011 when there were 4,500 methadone overdose deaths there also were only about uh, in the neighborhood of 30 or 40,000 total overdose deaths and now there's 70,000 and the numbers that are on methadone that died from methadone overdose have dropped so it's a way less percentage of overdose deaths totally. it's totally. still in the top 10 we're pushing patients to a drug that is deadly and in the top 10 of deadly overdose deaths to avoid overdose deaths. Well, and I think it's important for the is public this the to understand you're this. About? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because, you know, what happens when a parent who is fairly naive, let's say, to addiction and opioids and drugs and all that kind of stuff has their kid get hooked on heroin? Okay, terrible, right? And they send them to a clinic to get help, and the clinic puts them on methadone. I think that right. the parents, the patient, the family, our whole system should be educated on, guys, that's still a huge risk for overdose. Right. That is not necessarily the answer. And again, I would say not the first-line treatment. Yes. But that is how our government is pushing this in the map, in the, um, you know, new idea and concept of MAT for every opioid. Because as a treatment, intensive outpatient therapy doesn't kill, nor does residential treatment kill people. Not usually. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't we try those first? Right. Way less dangerous. Yeah. Now, do people die of overdoses in those treatments? Yeah, it happens. But I don't think we have 4,000 deaths per year in treatment. No. I don't know the answer to that, but that would be surprising to me. No. I still think it's a quick fix, a Band-Aid, and a cheaper solution, right? And I'm guessing the government makes some money off of methadone, but I don't know For if that's sure. really the push. I don't think the government's evil necessarily. I think that they're trying to fix it really quickly, and here's the quick answer. Right. And I think long-term, what's going to happen? Where, where are we going to be at in 20 years now that we have all the um, 
opioid addicts on methadone and buprenorphine. Right. We're going to be better, any better off, or are we just prolonging the inevitable? And eventually, they're going to have to figure out, hey, listen, I can do this without any substances. Okay, well, there was one other thing you wanted to talk about as a follow-up, but... We'll do that next time. How about we do, do that? Time? Yeah, because okay, that's, that's a whole other... We're going we're gonna to take a quick break and allow some time for our sponsors. <clears throat> when we come back, we're going to talk about... Our favorite. This week's topic. This is my favorite. Gabapentin? Gabapentin is my favorite topic. Uh, well, you know how I feel about it. It's one of mine, too. So... We're going to talk about gabapentin and how it relates to treatment and addiction when we come back from the break. Welcome back. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed our messages from our sponsors. We said when we came back, we were going to talk about gabapentin, our topic of the day. We did say that, didn't mm -hmm. we? We're allowed to change our minds. And, out. and we have changed our minds. We're not doing gabapentin. Even though I said it was my favorite. Listen, I think it's a great topic. What, one of the things that I believe, though, is I think that we have enough information on gabapentin that we could talk about it for an entire podcast. And our little introductory part where we spoke a little bit about methadone and overdose deaths that I thought was going to take five or ten minutes took 20 minutes leaving us, if we want to keep our podcast sort of short, leaving us 15 or 20 minutes to talk about gabapentin, and I think that's not going to do it service. All right. So I would love to talk about another issue. It's an issue we've been talking a lot about, marijuana, because an article came out this week about, don't tell us what the article is about. You said this to me, so, and I'm driving, and there's pieces of cardboard flying everywhere. Yeah, don't, don't hit them. I did, just now. Oh. You were looking down, though, so it's fine. Good. Uh, this was an article in the Lancet Psychiatry Journal titled, Novel Treatment Approach Shows Promise in Cannabis. Wait, are we recording through my car's microphone?
wrote this article. I've seen commonly used figures of cannabis dependence to be about 9% of all users. Oh, that's interesting. Which is lower than, say, cocaine, which is about 18%. But I've also seen higher numbers than 9% in people who start cannabis younger and people who smoke daily and people who use heavily. And heavily is defined as uh, just an amount per week. It doesn't have to always, heavily doesn't always have to be daily use. Yeah. But if somebody's smoking, oh, let's say 10 joints a day, then <laughs> that, that, sounds familiar. that could be heavy use. It's a yeah. lot of use, 10 it's joints a lot a day. Of, a lot of weed. Okay. So some interesting things. This is talking about a, a fatty acid hydrolase inhibitor that reduces cannabis withdrawal symptoms, which is really cool, but that's actually not what caught my attention. Great, uh, great, except for what are cannabis withdrawal symptoms? Well, that's a good point. I mean, cannabis withdrawal is not something that we worry a lot about, right? Yeah. Opioid withdrawal keeps a lot of people out of treatment. The fear of opioid withdrawal keeps a lot of people out of treatment, right? But the fear of cannabis withdrawal doesn't hardly keep anybody out of treatment. Because there's very few, there's very few withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, uh, yeah, but there, but there still are withdrawal symptoms, right? Some, but definitely psychological symptoms for sure, because it becomes somebody's coping mechanism. Sure. So you have increased sure. anxiety, increased depression. Sure. But and I, and I agree with that. But one of the things you don't get from cannabis that you do get from other medications is cannabis THC is stored in fat cells. So stopping abruptly actually doesn't make your levels go down abruptly like it does in opiates because there is this slow physiological wean of all the THC that's been stored in your fat cells is now slowly released over time. So even though you quit abruptly, your levels don't go down abruptly like they do with opiates. So there isn't such a terrible withdrawal Syndrome. I have heard, I have heard headaches, I have heard stomach issues, I have heard people uh, who abruptly stop using marijuana get less of the munchies. Now, I don't know if that's true. Well, I believe that. I could believe that. Their Dorito consumption goes down significantly, well, which I'm, can be a real problem. I'd like to see that study, but thanks. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's actually not what... Um, caught your eye? Caught my eye on okay. this um, this article. So this is this is in the uh, the introduction of the article. It says in the United States, around a third of all current cannabis users meet diagnostic criteria for cannabis use disorder. One third One of all cannabis users. Third. Okay, wait a second. So that's. That's a completely different number than the nine percent addictiveness that I've heard. Well, this is this is Pe- out of Oh, you're I thought people? it was saying out of all users. Wait. No 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 no. Nine percent of all cannabis users supposedly became addicted. Oh that okay. was a higher okay, percentage okay. in heavy cannabis users and young cannabis users, but Nine percent of all users supposedly get addicted. Well, getting addicted is the same thing as meeting the criteria for cannabis use disorder. Mm. But what you're saying is 
This article shows 33%, not 9%. Oh, I'm glad you clarified that. I thought you meant of all users. Considerably higher, no. Just like in general. Okay. No, 9% okay. of all cannabis users supposedly yeah, used to, we used to think, became addicted to it. Well, that might have been an old statistic, yeah, right? Yeah, right, Maybe exactly. Something learned in the beginning. Right. So I, I feel like I have heard that number before. Well, for sure, over the years, pot has gotten stronger. Right, and my numbers actually come out of the 70s. That 9% number comes out of that large New Zealand study, which was done in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, basically. Yeah. And okay, pot well. is considerably stronger now. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So one third. One third of all well, cannabis have, users. We get to talk about, hey, nobody gets addicted. Right. Okay. Apparently, a you third somebody, of them meet the criteria. If you know somebody who's smoking pot for, quote, recreational because I like it, I do it every once in a while. Well, one out of three of those friends are actually addicted. Or just a third of that guy. A third of the guy, maybe his legs. Like his both legs. His legs. Right. They are addicted. Um, his arms don't care that he quit. Here's another interesting stat that came out of this article. Okay. You ready for it? I'm ready. Drum roll? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> we should have a really cool drum roll uh, sound effect, on. but we don't. Can we get it? We can get one for sure. Okay, listen to this. It says more than 250,000 people were admitted for cannabis whoa, 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 treatment whoa, whoa. in 2016. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. They're going to rehab? Okay. Do you have any idea now how many times I've had to tell people? No, listen, when I went to rehab in California, where marijuana that was legal because they had medical marijuana back then. Right. Do you know how many uh, patients in my rehab were Wait, there? Wait, where am for, I going? Mm, am I, you have to go up to... Um, i got to go up a little bit. got to go up one more. Okay, sorry. I stood on 300. Do you have any idea how many people in my rehab that was in California, I went to rehab in California, how many of those people were there only for marijuana use, period? Um, I don't. I don't either, but it was a lot. <laughs> I, I would say it was a third, but of okay. course that, that sounds like it matches up too great with, uh, you know, this article. Wow. But, right. but there was definitely out of the 30 of us, I knew many. I was shocked. You're, you're kidding me. Your only drug is marijuana? Oh, yeah. You're kidding. I remember treating those people early. Yeah. I, we don't see it that much here because right. treatment centers don't. Because insurance companies don't pay for it, right? I think Correct. that's the reason why we don't see it, not because it's not here, but because our treatment centers don't pay for it. I've had, <coughs> I've had people come and ask if we do detox for marijuana or detox well, parents and friends of loved ones. For sure insurance know. doesn't pay for detox yeah. because detox is neither life-threatening. Look, they don't pay for opiate detox, which keeps people away from treatment, but... Marijuana detox is not life-threatening. Yeah. It's not as bad as opiate detox. No, or nor so. could I even think of a way that you would detox marijuana. Right, I mean, exactly. That just doesn't make sense. Right. But, um, but interesting, 250, a quarter of a million. How many other ways can I say that? Um, not diagnosed. In one year. Not diagnosed. Entered treatment. treatment. That's okay. an unbelievable number. Entering treatment means that very few people get court-ordered to treatment, okay? That's a myth. There's not very many people that get court-ordered to treatment. Most treatment in the United States is voluntary. 
you know where your car is. Up. Most treatment in the United States is voluntary, right? People come in, look, maybe there's pressure from families, but there's very rarely a time where you're court-ordered to be in treatment. So what that means is 250,000 people were bothered enough by their own marijuana use or their families were bothered enough by their marijuana use to warrant them going to treatment. That's a significant number. That is not the tiny little number that the pro-marijuana people would have you believe. That's a so gigantic true, right? number. And, and also the whole, well, you can't get addicted to marijuana. I mean, I'm just so tired of hearing that. It's yeah. unbelievable. But, yeah. you know, I was, I was actually um, working with a patient today who, um, you know, heroin, it, 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 heroin detox. Yeah, we've already passed it. Oh, we'll go around did, again. Did I you thought wanna... you saw it. Oh, I didn't see I it. I thought you were trying to park. No, I didn't see it. Never saw it. Anyway, I, uh, I'm talking to this patient and, you know, well, do you use any other, yeah, I, I, I'm shooting up, you know, two grams a day heroin. Okay. Any other drugs? No. No, I don't use any other drugs. Uh, I'm like, okay. Oh, like, except for pot. Um, okay. How much, how much are you using? Oh, you know, six, seven bowls a day. Okay. Uh, what are you, you any reason in particular? You just, you know, oh yeah, I use it for my chronic pain. It works so great. And I'm thinking, huh, really, if, if marijuana works so great for decreasing cravings, decreasing the potential for opioid use, decreasing addiction, right? making a point that I was uh, busy trying to run into other cars. So we got, we had to take a quick break while I figured out how to drive, and now we're back. Yeah, I think the point that I was, and thanks for getting me here safely, in a snowstorm, I might add, it's a blizzard. Well, it's not now a blizzard, but it was earlier. Hey, our listeners wouldn't know that. We can just it's a blizzard. Okay, it's a blizzard. White out. Okay, white out. Black ice everywhere. You saved your life. I get it. So, no, I think the point I was trying to make was, you know, as I was uh, talking with this patient, thinking who, who's, you know, using heroin, but then also, side note, smoking pot for pain, I'm thinking, you know, how great is that working? You know, right. how great is it working when we've, we've heard about, oh, we should use marijuana for addiction because then people won't use anymore because they've got marijuana. Right. How many of our drug addicts come to us and say, oh, yeah, 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 of course, and pot, right? I mean, that's right. a lot of them, not all of them. A lot of them have this side note of, yeah, and of course they smoke weed. So anyway, that's just kind of an interesting, I think we've kind of forgotten that that's actually an addictive medication and uh, or, or an addictive supplement, addictive drug, whatever you want to call that. Um, we need to treat it like that. Right. So anyway, that was well, a brilliant point. Well, again, I've I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but 
when Proposition Two was being voted on, you know, I get you know me, I get in some social media arguments occasionally. And these people are making the most ridiculous points about how they think, like the pro-marijuana people are making accusations of me thinking I'm anti-marijuana because if we legalize marijuana, it's going to ruin my job. There will be no more opiate addicts for me to treat, and it's going to hurt my income. And, I mean, with just absolutely no evidence to that at all. That's just not true at all. Right. Well, because they're coming across from the, well, if we just uh, legalize uh, marijuana or have medical marijuana, then nobody's going to be using other substances. So the opioid crisis, solved. Yeah. Right? That was a huge thing in Proposition 2 arguments was like we got to, it'll decrease the amount of opioids people use, and we know it doesn't. Right. We, we, we have studies that show that it doesn't. Yeah, we have a podcast already recorded about a study that shows it doesn't, but uh, we haven't released that yet, but... We might have released it by the time you hear this. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway. All right. Well, that's uh, most of what we got for the day. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, we'll, we'll uh, look forward to our next, next podcast about the gabapentin. Yes, like we do. Kristen was being truthful when she said it's one of her favorite subjects because it's one of mine, too. Like, I have a very I feel very strongly about gabapentin. And apparently not everyone feels the same way I do. Yeah. It, it's still, And it is baffling to me. It's pr- very perplexing, very strange. I see it prescribed far too often, uh, almost like it's the wonder drug. Right. Right? Like it's going to cure everything. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll Which, talk. Which, by the way, cannabis does already. Why do well, we maybe need cannabis? Why maybe do we need, need a bow? Why do cure everything? Two is better than one. <laughs> Come on. All right. right, well, have a beautiful uh, week, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. See ya.